Hey, um, I just got back from Cuba this past week and uh, we had a blast, had a really, really good time. And, um, and I just wanted to let you guys know, I'm thankful for you guys, thankful for this church. Because of your generosity, we're able to go around the world and we're able to take Jesus everywhere we go. And it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you guys. So I wanted to thank you guys. Also let you guys know that God is doing something incredible uh, in Cuba. You probably watch the news and see a lot of things, but it's one thing hearing things than going down and seeing things uh, firsthand. But um, we're going to be a part of something big down in Cuba. And there's going to be a, I, I believe when I was down there this week, I, I sensed a revival uh, down there. I believe that God's going to do incredible things. Um, there's places all around Cuba where there's not supposed to be churches and, and God's working churches. And there's, there's, there's uh, church homes, house churches all around Cuba down there, and I just think we can do something incredible down there. I was able to see a, a guy um, just surrender his life uh, to do whatever it is that God calls him to do, called him to do, and um, he turned his house into a church. He turned his house into a church. He just said, I just believe this is what God's called us to do, and took, us, and took down some trees and took out his front yard and poured a slab and, and, and put up a car porch, and that thing just kept on growing and kept on growing, and, and he was preaching the gospel and preaching the gospel, and then right behind that, there were some people that were involved in some um, I, I forget what they call it down there, but there's like some witchcraft type of belief down there where they're, where they're sacrificing animals and they're kind of praying to something that thing that's going to help them. And, and um, watch, I watched them tell a story of God removing that, this place right behind them that was witchcraft and they were blowing incense and loud music during their church services and God take that and God give them that space. And, and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of good things that are happening in Cuba and um, I'm excited to let you guys know that we're going to be a part of that. We're gonna be part of that. I was in another, I was one church. I went to another church where upstairs was, a, was it was two-story house and it was upstairs was a, was, a, was a church, the whole the whole top story. And the bottom story, um, God really broke my heart. And um, when I went down to the bottom story and you walk into the right of the bottom stairs, there was a sheet that was put up. And I looked down in there, I saw some bunk beds. And right next to that, there was a little bit of a half wall. And then I saw another set of bunk beds and it was a husband and a wife and, a, um, and their two kids that slept there on the right, this place, they also had a feeding center, so their kitchen fed all the people that would come that need food. Uh, to the left of that was their living room, which that was a Sunday school classroom. They had no backyard. They used half their house for a house. And when I was there, they were talking about the cost of, of building a church, and I thought to myself, we can build this family a church. And it, was, it blew my mind because I thought to myself, I can't imagine. I'm glad we have this location. I'm glad we have this space, but I can't imagine my whole house being a, being a, being a church. Never, ever never any privacy, people always there. Um, it sounds a lot like my community groups. I have community groups at my house, but I just can't imagine my only, my house and my church being in one place, which just goes to show me that God is doing something incredible down there. And, and um, every year we end our, end our church, every year we end the year doing what's called our heart for the house offering. And uh, we're gonna help them build, we're gonna build a church next year. And I, I know that in my heart, God said to me, hey, you're gonna build a church, but Let's be honest, we just believe in a big God and I just don't know if he wants us to build just one church down there. He might want us to build multiple, but I know he said to me, hey, you guys are gonna be a part of, you're gonna be a part of building church. They're training hundreds and hundreds of pastors right now and um, they're gonna, there's, gonna be a re, there's gonna be a revival down there and we can, we can be a part of that. Our ladies were just at the ladies retreat and um, I don't know if they learned about Jesus at all, but they did work on their pyramids and they've got the pyramid, their pyramid game is strong and uh, they had a blast. And Sharon is here today all the way from Canada and she is celebrating her 30th birthday. Can we put our hands together for Sharon in her 30th? 30 never looks so good, Sharon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're living your best life. And um, hey, I'm glad you're here today. And um, you look good and you smell good. I love this church. I'm so thankful. I was gone this past week. You look good and you smell good. I smell you when I walk up to you in case you're wondering. Um, but I, I, love, I love this church. And um, 
I love that I could be gone and God can do an incredible thing. We had groups that met all throughout the week and people just jumped in and led groups. People that have never led a group before just filled in and, and, and take over. And we're so thankful that we can be a church that's, that's multi, multi-level. I believe this today, if you're sitting somewhere around you, there should be a note card that looks like this. I believe this today, take this out and just have it nearby if you, you want to hold it or put it inside your Bible. Um, you can hang on to this. But I believe that this piece of paper today can change your life. This piece of paper today, it has the possibility and potential to change every single one of your lives. And so at the very end of our, our time together today, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how. But a few months ago, I was sitting around and I began to plan and prepare, plan and prepare for what God was going to do in our church in the fall. And one of the things that kept on coming to me was this idea of the fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame. All those things kept on running through my mind. They kept on running through my mind. I just kept on hearing the things again. And every time I would turn the corner or turn the page, God would say, Fury, fear and worry. Fury, I'm, I just married the two. Fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame. And every time I turned the corner, I would meet someone. I would hear the word depression or, or I would hear the word fear. Or I would feel just the word, the word overwhelmed. And those are the things, I feel like those are the things that are, that are plaguing a lot of people on the, on, the, on the daily. And they're struggling with those things. I feel like a lot of people are just, that's, that's our lives. And here's what I want to tell you today, if this is you in here today, because this is a big portion of this room in here today, because I'm getting these things from the people that I spend time with throughout the week, and I'm in groups with you guys, or I'm on Facebook with you guys, and these are the things I hear. I hear about, I hear about fear, and I hear about worry, and I hear about doubt, and I bet about anxiety, and I was about shame. I was, I was talking to um, a friend of mine in the lobby last week, and he goes, where do, you get all your, where do you get all your material at every week? What do you... How do you know what to talk about every single week? And I say, it's really, really easy. He said, really, I'm asking you, tell me about it. He goes, I spend so much of my time with people. And the things I'm hearing is fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame. And I was talking to Diana, preparing for the fall. And she said, what you're talking about is monsters. What you're talking about are the, are the monsters, the monsters that are, inside our, that are inside our head, that we all have, that we all that we all struggle with. When you were a kid, just, just raise your hand. Everyone's gonna raise your hand in just a moment, but, but because I want you to, it'll make me feel better and I'm trying to help you guys learn how to raise your hand, but just a moment, I want you to raise your hand, 100% participation. How many of you guys, when you were a kid, you, you, were afraid of, you were afraid of monsters? Let's be honest, raise your hand. Yeah, all of us, even if you're, some of you guys are like, I, I like monsters. <laughs> I, I'm, totally, I'm, totally, I'm totally prepared for the monsters. I, but we're, we're afraid of monsters. I've told this story a handful of times, but in my house, I. In my, in my house, I can imagine this being my house. I used to, this used to be our living room. And then the next living room was that living, that room that, there used to be rooms, by the way, uh, young people, there was rooms that no one ever sat in before. And I don't know, those are a waste of money and time and energy. But now we've got, we live in a world where everything, everybody's going to have more and, and do more. That, that Now that's become like the theater room or the, or the TV room. But we had a living room and then we had another room that no one ever sat in the, and their furniture was white. And, and if you're, if you grew up in, and if, if your grandma, only a few of you guys can get this, but if, if you grew up old school and maybe, maybe your grandma was black or this is just my experience, but those were covered with plastic. I don't know if that's a black thing or a white thing, but in my house, in my, grandma, in my grandma's house, the white furniture was covered and no one could sit on that. Like, man, it's my first day. This church is racist. But that's just what I remember. I remember my grandma had that thing covered. And I'm like, why did she have that covered? And I realized we, we barely ever sat on it. We sat on it once a year and it was Christmas time because the house would be full of about 30 or 40 people. But in my house, we, I, the living room was here, and, and then the, the next room was, was this big room that no one ever sat in. And in that room, this was something that was always so weird to me, too. In that room, there was a coffee table. And on that coffee table was the biggest KJV 1611 Bible. It, I mean, I could open it up from here, and if you're in the back row, you could read the letters. I mean, it was like the biggest. K, anybody who grew up in a house where it was just a big old Bible? If you don't have that, you haven't lived yet. 
it never got read. <laughs> it never got read, but that Bible was that Bible was big, man. I mean, we could all it was about the size of this screen. I could just flip it up there and we could all read the, the verses in this in this thing. And but I remember that Bible, but I, I remember sitting down here and I would when we were younger, there was a, right beyond that was the hallway. Imagine all this rose and there'll be in the hallway today. And, and if you were watching TV this way and you looked down hard, you would see people run by. They were monsters. The monsters would run from one side to the other side. And I, and I realized I, I'm going to quit sitting there because I, I feel like every time I sit there, I see, the, I see the monsters. I see the monsters run by. And so I would sit somewhere else and I would delegate. There were six of us. I would let one of the younger siblings say, you can have this seat. This is the best seat in the house. Because every time I, I would see the monsters, the monsters just go flying, flying by. And, and I realized in here today that a lot of times for us as, as people, the, the monsters just go they just go flying by. The fear goes flying by. The worry goes flying by. The shame goes flying by. The, the doubts. I was with a group of men this, this week, and I said, what's your number one fear? What's your number one fear? And they said, the, the number one fear I struggle with is, is, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Am I going to make it? And what happens is if we don't, ad- we don't address those monsters, they make our house a, they make their, our house a home, and they live there with us. And it's miserable. And what happens that misery is that we get used to it and our life becomes miserable. I was, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine this week and, and he said, you know, I said, you know, a lot of people, I mean, they're, they're really afraid to die. A, a lot of people are afraid to die. How many of you guys are afraid to die? None of you, okay, three of us? Yeah, cool, awesome. Awesome, nobody, awesome. And you know, pastors, like, whether you raise your hand or not, I'm like, that's awesome, that's cool, man, good response, I like that. We're afraid to die. I was talking to a friend of mine. That he goes, he goes, he goes I, I, there's a bigger issue that we have to deal with, Wes. And I said, what is it? He goes, I feel like most people I know, they're afraid to actually live. And the reason why we can't live the life we're supposed to live is because the monsters make a residency in our life. And they take over. And we just go wherever the monsters take us. They grab us by the hand and we just go with them. And so I want to talk to you guys about, about the monsters. And I want you to know monsters came, monsters have come around Way before Monsters Inc. If you have a Bi- Monsters Inc. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter three. I want to read a couple of verses to you today, and this is where I see monsters come into play, and where monsters begin to, to deal with all of us in here today. They they plague all of us in here today. We all deal with them. People say well, the guy said, "Well, Wes, what's your what's one of your, your monsters?" And one of the monsters I deal with is if, if people if people like me. The insecurity of having people like me. I need people to like me. Acceptance. Can I be can I be accepted? I want to be accepted. I need to be accepted, and that's one of the monsters that you can find yourself dealing with. In Genesis chapter one and two, we see God begin to create the heavens and the earth and, and all the animals and all the, the, the plants and all the things that we see today that we enjoy. And, because there's a creator, by the way, and if you know that, if you're just joining us for the first time, there is a creator of the universe and it was God. He wants to create everything. Then he saw, man, this is not, everything's not done and he created a man. And he didn't end, he didn't end there. The Bible says, girls, is where you say amen. He, he made the man and he didn't say things were good. They said he needed a woman, you know? And uh, whenever God made the woman, man looked up and he was like, whoa, man. You know, he was like, hey, girl, hey. You know, and, and, and this time in this scripture, they, they walked around naked. They were living their best life. You know what I'm saying? As far as I'm concerned, and in Genesis chapter three, we see things begin to go sideways. We see what this is called the fall of man, where, where things go sideways. And because of this one passage of scripture, Genesis chapter three, we find ourselves, every one of us, the Adam and, Adam and Eve, they are, they're our, they're our grandparents. They, these guys are up our line. We find ourselves coming from Adam and Eve. But where we find ourselves today is that 
they find themselves in, the, in this idea of they're going to deal with the monsters inside their head and they're going to listen to them. They're going to allow them to live there or they're going to face their monsters head on and they're going to win the battle or they're going to lose the battle. And so in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord of God had made. One day he asked the woman, <clears throat> he asked them with the questions, and questions are tricky. Questions are tricky, and I think it's important for you today. You better figure out the right answers before you start asking yourself some of the questions that you have, or you better find yourself a right place to find absolute truth before you, start, before you start asking the questions, because if not, you'll answer your own questions, and usually we end up being wrong. And if you're answering your questions that you're having with the wrong answers, then you, you, can, you, you invite the monsters. You, you, you make a bed for the monsters to lie down in. It's okay to ask yourself questions, but you better be careful that you, that you have some right answers or some, a place where you can get the right answers. Did God really say to you that you cannot eat from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And you guys know the answer to the question. He didn't say that you can. He said, there's one tree that I don't want you to eat from. That's, there's just one tree. You have all these trees, but Satan changes a little bit and says, hey, did God really say you can't eat any of these trees? He didn't say, hey, did, you, did, you really, did God really say you can't eat from that one tree right there in the middle? Did he really say you can't eat? He goes, no. Did God say, how, how are you supposed to live? If you can't eat it from any of these trees, how are you gonna, how are you gonna live? And Eve gets to the place where she says, or verse two, she goes, of course we may eat. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat from. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. There's just one. There's just, there's just one thing. I believe this today. I, I've preached this to you guys before, but I believe we always struggle. Well, all of us in your day, we struggle with, we all struggle with, we all have that one thing. We all have that. There's always that one thing that's really just, that's just really just, it's always there. Like if we can just get rid of that one thing, maybe it's your doubt. Or maybe it's, maybe it's the warrior. Maybe, it's a, maybe it, was a, it was a tragedy in your life that happened. It was that, that one tragedy. If, we could remove, if God could remove that one tragedy from my life and from my mind, then, then I really could be further along. When I meet people all the time and I, I begin to have a conversation with them, they always have just that one thing. There's always just that, that one thing in their life that, that's holding them up. He said, it's only, it's only the, the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that if you, if you do this, if you eat from it, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. I just want to clarify something for you today. At this point, when God had made the Adam and Eve, their eyes were already opened. Their eyes were already, their eyes were already opened. I love the, the song that, that Katie sang. Katie was, one of our, um, Katie was one of our worship leaders a long time ago. I've known Katie... I've known Katie probably since she was, she was in preschool. I met her when I was, I was 15. I don't even know. Am I 10 years older than you? Yeah, it's, I've known her since she was probably four or five, and her dad ran a camp. And uh, she was one of the kids just running around the camp. And, and it, I love that, that song that we can, that we can, that we can see him. We, we, can, we, can see his, we can see his love now. We can see that right now. But a lot of times we don't see his love. We don't, we, our, our, we, our eyes have become, our eyes have become closed. They're not filled with wonder anymore. They, they can see everything. They thought, I mean, this looks really, really, really good. This, I like this. this. All this looks good. He goes, hey, if you eat from that one tree, you're, then your eyes will be open. And you're going to be like God, both good and evil. And, and here's the thing today. They were already like God. You're like, whoa, Wes, that's, you, you, you're, you're stretching it. 
at this point, there, sin hadn't entered into the earth. Everything, everybody was perfect at that point. There was this beautiful garden. There was all these animals, all these plants. And God said, hey, Adam, I want you to be the ruler of this. I want you to be a leader. I want you to have great influence. I've already preached that to you since we've been here. And then he makes Eve and, they, and he says to them, hey, God knows that your eyes will be open. Their eyes were already opened. And because sin entered into the world, now we have people, Tyler and Jenner here, saying, I love them. I've known them for, for over a decade. I left, universe, I left Jacksonville, Florida, and Tyler was one of the first kids I met. And then I met Jen, and I, I love them. And their baby's young, but their baby, they have a brand new newborn. But our, our kids, because of Adam and Eve, everyone's been born ever since Adam and Eve. We've been born sinners. And I know when you're a mom, you're like, How, well, Wes, I mean, my baby doesn't sin. Let me remind you, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, six. That's how you know they're sinners. You, you don't know if you've experienced this yet, but you will. Everybody should experience it yet. When you go to get, when you get them all dressed up, they look so cute, they look incredible. You know what I'm gonna say, right? You guys, Mrs. O'Neill, you know what I'm gonna say. And you get them all dressed up, they look so good. You got the church outfit and you, get, you don't fight the whole entire way to church. Everything is going incredible. Mrs. Schneider knows what I'm gonna say. And you go to get that baby out of the car seat and explosive diarrhea happens. And it is not, it somehow gets all the way to their ears. How does it get that far? That's the sin of man. Ever since Adam and Eve, man, that, how does it get that far? And it's okay, this, and that's not where it stops at. You're like, Wes, you are totally derailing. I'm trying to build a point. And then you're like, it's okay because I have a second outfit. And it's one of those ones where it's so bad that your husband has to help you do it. It does not just one person, it's a two man job. Where one is holding the baby out like Simba, and the other one is like, like a squeegee, like trying to get the stuff off. And then it's okay because you, like, you, you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then you, you, you get them all changed and you go to leave church later that day and you realize you didn't clean the car seat. You're like, dang it. That's how I know that ever since Adam and Eve, the sin has entered into the world. Because that's, that's a, everyone's a sinner. And that's a perfect example of it. Sometimes I start these stories and I don't know how to land them, but I landed that one. I landed that one. I don't care what you say what. Sin enters into the world and it comes in the form of a diaper, you know. So let me finish the story because, I mean, it's only two more verses and I can, I can handle that. He goes, man, your eyes are going to open. Their eyes were already open. See how he tricks us? He's like, did he really say that you can't have all that? And she, and she answered him. She did really, really good. She's like, no, we're good. It's just the one. And he's like, well, your eyes will be open. Well, Eve, your eyes, I wish someone would, Eve, your eyes are already open. You see all this wonder. We get to build our life upon it because we already see all, we, it's all good. The next verse says this, um, verse six. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And so did all the other fruits around. They all look good. But for some reason, it's always the one thing. It's always just the one thing. And she wanted the wisdom that it could give her. And she already had plenty of wisdom. She had plenty of wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband. And he was like, she's like, you want some of this? He was like, the fruit? <laughs> the fruit? And she's like, yeah. You have to clarify, you know what I'm saying? And just, he's like, the fruit? That's what I would have said. I mean, it's just me. And he ate it. And then she gave some to her husband and, and he ate it. Verse seven, at that moment, at that moment, their eyes were open. That moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They were totally cool being naked until sin entered into 
and to the, to the earth. And sin, by the way, if you're new with us today, sin is just missing the mark. I had a friend of mine say, you know, it is missing the mark, but it's, it's sin, is what, sin is what separates us from God. At this point, they were so close to Jesus. They were so close to God. They were, they were, they were tight with God. And, it, and the sin came into the world, and it separated them. How do, you, how do you know that it separated them? Because then they, they realized they were naked. Shame set in. We all struggle with some guilt, shame, or pain. It sets in. They realized they were naked. And then we keep on reading, and God says, hey, guys, where are you at? And they were hiding. So sin, I, I'm, I, I, God gave me all this this week. I was sitting with a friend of mine today. He just, he'd been married for almost 30 years, lost his, lost his wife to cancer three weeks ago. I'm sitting next to this man, he goes, I haven't dreamed in three years. I've been leading a church without a dream for three years. And he unpacked, over the last, over the last three days, he unpacked Genesis chapter three, and there's so much in there. There's so much in there, but sin separates us from God. That's why he sent his son, because he wanted that, he wanted right relationship with us. And here's the deal. If we don't have right relationship with God, then we become best friends with our monsters that live inside of our mind, inside of our head. And they run our lives. And then they ask us questions that we don't know the answer to. So we go to some stupid magazine or some friend who doesn't have right relationship with Jesus Christ, and we let them answer the questions for us. So I, I wrote down a couple things about what happens in your mind. I wanna give you three quick things. I wanna give these three things to you in three minutes. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ you have to take your thoughts into captivity do not let the monsters in your mind lead what's in your mind you got to change your thinking if you can change your thinking you can change your life friends if you change your thinking you can change your life. And everyone I meet, they want a different life. But you'll never have a different life until you change your thinking. A friend of mine said, he goes, hey, my, Diana's um, cousin texted me, he goes, hey, I, I really want to get into CrossFit, but I'm going to lose some weight before I get into it. And I text him back, I was like, don't do that. That's ridiculous. I'm here last night at setup, and, and Nick says to me, I, I was thinking about getting that CrossFit, but I want to get in shape first. That is so sleepy. Like, I want to get my life right. And they start working on their life. Change your thoughts and then your life will change. I saw this lady. This is like total judgmental. I don't do this a lot. And you're like, he's going to say it. It's too late. I've already committed. She, um, I don't even know what restaurant I was at yesterday. Oh, I was, I know what I was at. <laughs> I was at a restaurant yesterday. And, uh, and the lady came in in, in her workout clothes which it may not have been workout clothes because nowadays workout clothes are everyday clothes. I get that, ladies. No, I'm not judging you guys. I'm told if I could pull off yoga pants, I would. You know what I'm saying? But she was in yoga pants and she's ordering extra fries, large Coke, cheeseburger, double cheeseburger with bacon. And I, I had this desire to go up to her and say, you, you, can't, 
you can't mix the two. It just, it's, it, it works better if you can. <laughs> I had to deal, I had to like, I had to like have that conversation in my mind. I was like, hey, listen, if you change your eating, then it could change your, change your life. Ed is down a hundred pounds. And I was with him. I said, Are, do you, what's your, and he, this is a, her dad, Philadelphia cheesesteaks, pizzas, and Diet Cokes. That was like his drugs of choice. 340 something pounds last time you guys saw him. He's almost 250, he's 275, 280. He said to me, um, I said, are you, I said, what are you like, you were in Philly last week. I said, did you kill a cheesesteak? He goes, no, I've changed, I've, this is a life change. It's not like a, this isn't just a, I, he goes, I've changed my whole life. He goes, but I had to change my thinking first. He goes, I, ch- I changed my thinking first and that has changed my, that has changed my life. Here's the second thing. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He goes, man, my life, my life is miserable. My life is miserable. My life is miserable. Then he thought to himself, secondly, he said, man, I wonder what happened if I just, just drove through this red light and let a car just, let a car just take me out. That was the second thought. And he didn't, he didn't take the, the thought captive. And his third thought was this. What if I just, I don't need that anymore. What if I just drive, I live in, in the mountains. Why don't I just drive my car off a cliff? He just, one thought became another thought, became another thought, became another thought. And he just kept on going, kept on going. Your, your life is going in the direction of your, of your strongest thoughts. He said, and somehow I was able to, God was like, hey, you're, it's, you gotta capture your thoughts. So he, went, he, he took his thoughts in himself and he took himself to his friend and said, hey, I'm having these terrible, terrible thoughts. What are they? Well, we can get help. He got help. But I meet people every single day that never, ever get any help. 22 vets take their life every single day. People try to take their life every single minute of the hour. And it's not because, they, it's not because of the surroundings. It's because of the monsters that are inside their head. It's the monsters that are inside their head. Depression doesn't show up in the form of depression. It shows up in the form of a negative thought and that's not dealt with, then it's another negative thought. And we, we get used to it and we, we just get so used to it and it becomes the, the mess that we live in. And, and, and all these things, depression, anxiety, fear and worry, they're all real things. And if you're struggling with any of those things today, you're not, you're not alone. The problem is when people think, well, I'm all alone because no one, no one gets me. People get you. I get that. I was talking to a pastor this weekend. I was with a bunch of pastors. We did talk about the Lord a lot, as you can imagine. And the guy said, he said, man, I was struggling so bad. Mean church people, just terrible thoughts. He goes, I wrote them all out. He goes, I had to write them all out because I needed God to take them from me. He said, the worst thing ever happened. God told me, I want you to get up on that stage tomorrow, your Saturday night service, and I want you to read that letter that you wrote to me. That's miserable. He said, I hated it. He goes, I was so mad because I knew if I read it in one service, I had to wake up on Sunday morning and I had to read it three more times. And they were all about his thoughts. Thoughts that he had had that he'd let stay around and they begin, and those monsters begin to grow. If you don't deal with the thoughts, they just, they begin to grow. So if you're here today and you're struggling, he said, but I needed to get it out because I need some people coming and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there for you. If you're struggling with any these thoughts today, you are not alone. You're not alone. Pastor, um, a month ago in California, big church, three beautiful kids, a wife, took his life, took his life, gone. Big church. I mean, everything that you would think as an outside, you're like, I mean, he's got it all together. Everything's going okay. He's doing good. 
he never captured his thoughts. And his life, your life, and his life was always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. This isn't in my notes, but I just want you to know today you're not alone. You're not by yourself. You might think that you are. Matt and Matt sent me this thing this week that said, this is what the doctors say. It's in the Bible in Genesis, but the doctors are saying this. Your life, this is the synopsis of it. Two minutes. Your life is going to be good or bad based around the people that you have surrounding you. It's everything. People that have a community around them, they don't get dementia as early. People that have people around them all the time, do they get depressed? Yes. They don't stay in their depression as long. Summed up, people are a really good medicine. I went out last night with Nick and Katie, and I don't, I don't typically bring missionaries around Fraley. Brooke, I don't mind doing it, but Fraley is another, is another that's a whole nother level. Um, but I, I left last night and we had laughed so hard. laughed so hard. I thought to myself, this is how life, I, I went to bed last night, and this is how life should be, laughing all the time. The guy that lost his wife after almost 30 years of, 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 of marriage, his wife got cancer before 10 years ago. Check this out. And when he was away, when he was away dealing with his wife, a guy began to sow discord in his church. And whenever he, he started going through all those treatments, they kicked him out of his own church. Kicked him out of his church, left him. Went and got on, he had to go get on, I mean, he had everything going for him. He had to go get on food stamps. He had no job, no money, nothing. He laughed in Cuba, you guys. I've never seen a grown man laugh. He, he could have grew abs. That's how much he laughed. Because people are the right thing. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, so a man thinks, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Another translation, so wherever your thoughts are headed, that's where you're headed. Here's another thing I wrote down. Most of life's battles, most of life's, maybe all life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The Bible says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You gotta change the way you think. You don't need a brand new life, you need brand new thoughts. You don't need a brand new life. You need brand new thoughts. You don't need a brand new life. You need different thoughts, better thoughts. If you think positively, I know your life is going positively. If you think negative, Negatively, I know your life is going, your life is going, it's not going like the direction that you want it to go. That's, I know, I've done this enough to know that. It's only a little bit of time I've done it for. So, hey, here's your note card. Here's your chance. This is your take home today. You have to identify the monsters. You have to identify the monsters. Here's how I know you have to identify the monsters. Like, this ought to be good. Show me chapter and verse for this. My kids are like, hey, dad. And I've done this four times because I got four kids. Hope says to me, Dad, come here. Hey, Hope, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you, this time, because you're in here. But if you cannot be here in second service, I can tell the story a little bit better. <laughs> I go to leave her. I go, this is, this is the short version of it, the, the, the tamed down version of it. I put her in bed one night, and she goes, hey, Dad, you got to, I need you to close the, close the closet door. Close the door. Because everyone knows this. That's where the monsters live at, inside closets. 
So I thought, she's like, close that door. I need that door closed. Dinah still struggles with it. Here's how I know. I'll get in bed and she's like, you left the, you left the bathroom door open. Because here's what she thinks. If that door, she can see out in the door into our bathroom, but around that, that to the right, we go in our bathroom, to the right is our, is our closet. And she doesn't want the monsters coming out of the closet in the bathroom and then coming into the room. <laughs> Lord. And I asked her about it. Okay, I'm, this part I'm making up. It'll sound funny though. I asked her about it and she's like, no, that's, she would say, no, that's not it. I think it may, if it's not that, it's this. There's a window there. Our bathroom, um, bathtub, a window. And I think she thinks that they'll pull the window up or go through the window. And so I know now. Until I had a four-year-old, until my son said, hey, dad, come to my room. What's wrong, son? There's monsters in here. So where are they? I didn't say that. I said, where are they? And then I looked over and I saw the closet doors were open. Veteran dad, Jamie. So I go and close the door. And Tripp says, they're not in there. I said, tell that to Hope. He goes, they're underneath my bed. So I drop down. It's before CrossFit. I do a burpee right now. These pants are just too tight. But I just, I got down. I looked underneath that bed. I made sure those monsters, I said, hey, they're gone, bro. They're in my closet. Monsters don't live in closets. And monsters don't live on beds. They live in our mind. They live in our mind. You gotta identify them though. You have to identify the monsters in your head. So here is what I want you to do. I want you to take this home with you today. And I want you to write down the monsters that you deal with. And I want you to take a picture of it. And I want you to post it on Instagram and Facebook. I'm just kidding. Woo! Oh man, we digress quick here. I want you to, I want you to identify the monsters. I want you to identify the monsters in your life. I'll tell you what to do with it next week. That's how pastors get people to come back a second week. Like, you're like, what am I going to do with the monsters? Like, if you write them down, they'll begin to leave your head. You got to identify.